Leanne Faulkner is the founder of Billy Goat Soap, a brand she built from scratch, during which time she experienced the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. So being able to, not able to separate myself from the business, I thought, well, if the business is failing, in my eyes, if the business is failing, I'm a failure. And quite obviously, everyone else out there in business land knows something that I don't know. Welcome to Small Business. It's the award-winning Small Business Big Marketing Show, thanks to American Express. Yeah, I said, welcome to a Small Business Marketing Show. Successful small business owners share their souls to take your marketing straight to the lead. Now, here's your host, Mr. Timbo And welcome back to your weekly dose of marketing madness. I'm your host, Timbo Reed. You, infinitely more importantly, you're a motivated business owner and you are ready to crank out some great marketing to build that beautiful business of yours into the empire it absolutely deserves to be. Today's 437th episode is made possible thanks to American Express and to see how you can turn your existing expenses into some seriously good rewards, I'd suggest after this episode, Googling Amex Business. Hey, big show today. Billy Goat Soap founder turned small business mental health advocate Leanne Faulkner joins us for a very raw and transparent chat. I get found out by listener Michael, and this week's Jingle of the Week welcomes you to the House of Fun. It's absolute madness. Little hint there. As per usual, team, there is marketing G-O-L-D dripping from the ceiling over here at Small Business Big Marketing's HQ. So let's get stuck right in. Righto, let's meet today's guest. Leanne Faulkner launched Billy Goat Soap from a kitchen in response to her son's eczema. Had that story on the show a couple of times, someone solving the eczema problem themselves. By 2010, she had 20 employees and sold product in over 2,000 outlets across Australia. By 2011, Australian retailing had slowed significantly, and this took a huge toll on Leanne's mental health. After some time off, she returned to work, but then shortly after, selling the business a year later. Today, Leanne is a small business mentor and wellbeing advisor who has a deep, deep passion for ensuring other small business owners like you and I don't experience the same lows as she did. A little warning up front. This is an honest and raw conversation, which may trigger some things in you. If it does, that's okay. Then I encourage you to speak to others about it. And if you need to call your local mental health support resource, then do it. In Australia, that would be Lifeline on 13 11 14. So I started off by asking Leanne to describe the early days of Billy Goat Soap. Sure. Well, uh, Billy Goat actually started because uh, of our one of our kids. So he had eczema and anyone who um, has had asthma knows that eczema and asthma live together and he had both. And um, I must have been a bit of a frustrated farmer because we had a few acres on the Central Coast and I had dairy goats. I don't know why, but dairy goats is a hobby. And um, when Liam was born we with eczema, we just thought, oh, we'll just use the usual treatments because there's five kids in the family. And we thought, well, the older ones had had eczema and normal treatment worked for them. 
But alas, it didn't. And it was quite a humbling experience. So I went off and did a bit of research, as I have a tendency to do, and um, found out that goat's milk soap is supposedly good for people with sensitive skin and just thought, oh, I've got goats. I've got a child with eczema. I've got That's goats. Right. Off I go to learn to make soap. Now, <laughs> I am not a crafty person in any way. Like, I'm actually flat out making dinner. But um, but for Liam, I thought I'm going to have a go. So I went and learned how to make soap. And I had some core values that I thought, well, if I'm going to do this, I'm all in. So no chemicals, no water, had to be milk from my goats and had to be all natural oils. And and I guess what ended up happening was I made a lot of really bad soap for a very long time and, um, and eventually made something that seemed to help Liam. And um, that was the start, I guess, of Billy Goat. It's, you know, it's a common story that I hear and great businesses are often born out of personal problems. But I only had a guest on two or three weeks ago her name is Saya McDermott she was an ex-pilot who had eczema and she too could not find a cure it must be a very personalized uh, is it a disease or uh, whatever whatever eczema is it must be very personalized because one person's cure is not another's yeah and that's exactly right and in fact when I first started with Billy Goat I was really only making soap for Liam and for the family and and I did what a lot of people do when they're in that kind of crafty you know in yes. the kitchen going to make candle thing you know I just gave it to friends and family for Christmas and yeah, um yeah. Oh, look at here comes auntie Leanne yeah. oh, let me guess it's a bar of soap that's right no yeah, and and what made matters worse, it was like the very first lots of soap that I made. So it was particularly bad soap, really. So when we actually did perfect the recipe and got to the point where I, I kind of thought, okay, well, I'm going to write a strategic plan for this. Um, I remember telling one of my aunties about um, launching the product into health food stores, and she was absolutely shocked that I had you know, the the tenacity to try and sell something so dreadful. But I had to explain to her that, it, that we've actually improved it a lot since I gave you a bar two years ago. So Was that auntie? Because I'm interested in naysayers. I think there's a lot of naysayers amongst, you know, when it was small business owners, we're surrounded by them. Oh, you shouldn't yeah, do that. Yeah. You know, keep your <laughs> that's job. Right. Yeah, you know, that's exactly right. Was, was auntie concerned that the soap was just bad and was no good? Or was auntie concerned that you shouldn't really be going out and, being an entrepreneur yeah look I, I think it was a bit of both it was like the, the product you know really you're going to go and sell that product people are going to buy it and so from that point of view yeah she had quite a lot to say about the the worth of the product but she knew that I had I had a corporate you know planning background so and she knew I was a bit of a go-getter so there's probably no stopping me on that front but it was just she didn't realize that I'd actually worked hard on modifying the product and mm. um, and I used friends and family to give me feedback along the way so it was really, you know, their words that, that made it what it ended up being. So it was really an animal, an animal product tested on friends and family. Normally yeah. it's the other way around. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right, actually. <laughs> so, so, so you got it to market. How, was that, what did that look like? Were you selling it 
at the local farmer's market or you actually got ranged in a large department store? What happened? No, I started at the local farmer's market. Like I said, I was a frustrated farmer. I was actually a city girl originally and we moved to a few acres and I fell in love with goats. So I I was showing my goats at Gosford show and um, the woman who organised all the animals at the show had heard that I'd made some soap and she said, oh, why don't you come and sell it? So I made sure that I was, you know, able to do that. I got some, um, some insurance and made sure I had my labelling right and, and went off to market. And when I saw there was a bit of a bit of a market there, um, that's when I sat down and wrote a strategic plan because at that Gosford market, I pretty much sold out over that first weekend and I actually developed a very strategic way of growing the business. So I started um, working with health food stores first mm-hmm. and I lit, quite literally put soap in my boot and went door to door selling soap. And every time I got a deal and we live up on the central coast. And so every time I'd venture into Sydney to go and sell the product, if I sold a box of soap, I would quite literally go back to my car and ring my husband and go, oh my goodness, you know, like Mr. Vitamins at Chatswood selling my soap. (laughs) Just say, darling, we're cleaning up. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. That joke would be, he'd love that kind of joke. Um, And he just would say to me, that is fantastic. Go to the next store. Go to the next (laughs) store. And that's what I would do. And so really I spent probably the first two years or so getting to understand how to sell my product into the retail sector and into a sector that was very kind in in training me and in educating me and you know and so once i understood that sector then i planned to move into gift stores and once i did gift stores i planned to move into department stores. That's quite a complex sales process into department stores. And then once we had um, really started to work closely with department stores and understood it, then we moved into the very sophisticated pharmacy market. So it was quite a strategic growth process that that um, that we had in place for Cle- the brand. Clearly one that worked, but I'm, a sh- I'm, a, I'm guessing there were a couple of years of rejection in there, Leanne? Oh, oh, lots. Absolutely lots, particularly with the department stores. I Look, I think that the buyers at Maya just thought I was a stalker, really. So, um, In what way? Were you relentless? Yeah, I was. I, I would ask probably about every quarter to six months, I would ask for a meeting and, you know, could I present the range to them? And every quarter or six months, they would very politely tell me no. And I think what probably happened in the end, particularly with Maya, was that um, they just got sick of this girl harassing them and agreed to to me coming down to Melbourne and doing presentation. And I remember that day so clearly because I had this little hang up that, you know, if I was going into a really big deal, I had to wear something red on me for luck. And I remember sitting next to um, another one of my team members that day outside the office of the buyer and showing her my red socks and going, I've got red socks on today. We're going to kill it. <laughs> and um, and we walked in and we did the presentation. And, and we killed it. And, you know, initially they only gave us 10 stores and said, we're going to just see how you go. And this is back in the day when my actually had 65 stores. And they said um, that it generally took around about two years for a, a, an unknown brand to secure all 65 stores. And I remember walking out that day going, it's not going to take me two years, it's going to take me less than that. And and just being really determined about how we would manage that account. And we built relationships with the staff in the stores. So they became advocates. How did you really do that? Goat soap. 
uh, we spent a lot of time on the ground working specifically with the salespeople in the store. So we did a lot of product training. We did a lot of relationship building. And so what happened for us is when we weren't in the store, because I was little, I didn't have the money to put mm. consultants in every store. But when we weren't in the store, um, they would represent us and they would be happy to sell Billy Goat Soap on our behalf because they believed in the product and we trained – we spent a lot of time doing explaining why the, the product was worth selling. And um, How do you – just out of interest, um, that's a fantastic strategy that you've laid out there, but how did you then get in front of the staff to do training sessions and to actually – occupy their time because they're yeah. also responsible for hundreds if not thousands of other products um when we opened a store we will put somebody in that store for about the first week not on a full-time basis i couldn't afford that but for about the first week say four hours a day in that store talking to the staff is that is that harassing Clearly it oh, worked, no, 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 but I'm no, trying to no. understand. No, we would take orders and we would work at the till and no, no, no. Hang on, we I just want to understand that a bit more. But am I being dumb here? I think I think it's genius. I'm not criticising it. I want others to be able to do the same. You have, you're in Myers, the biggest yeah. department store in Australia. You're in 10 stores. You yeah. are deploying a person from Billy Goat Soap to go into a Myers store for yep. four hours and hang out with Myers staff and work behind the counter? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't we understand. Had to... So if I'm sorry, if I'm Mr. Myers, I'm going to go get out of my store. You're you're annoying. Oh no, no, no. Mr. Myers is going to go, please come in and, you know, do do the store display for us and and come and do all the point of sale material well, that's and, merchandising. And, I get yeah, that. Yeah. And and then, you know, come and tell us about the product cuz at the end of the day, we have a shared goal, which is to sell the product, right? Yes, so yes. I want them to sell the product and they desperately want to sell the product. So we have a shared goal. So they're very open and we were very flexible. So if Maya said to us, listen, you know, the only time we can all stand around and talk about your product is at eight o'clock in the morning, then we will be there at eight o'clock in the morning. Mm. Or if they said we're going to do it at, you know, closing at five o'clock, then we do it at closing. And in fact, when we opened each store, we would send in um, a bouquet of edible, you know, those edible flower yes. bouquet things. Yeah, edible blooms. We've had... Yeah, uh, edible blooms. That's that's it. We yeah. would send them in to the counter with a card to the staff in the general cosmetics counter saying, woohoo, we're so excited we're here. Thank yeah, you yes. so much for your support. And so we actually focused our spend on building a relationship with the staff who we thought would be selling our product when we weren't there and that's what they did and within the first year we had all 65 stores and um, the following year we were their supplier of the year in general cosmetics and we were little billy goat soap we didn't have a multi-million dollar marketing spend budget but what we did have was a great relationship on the ground and I cherished that I really did I was so proud of that and to this day I go into stores I don't own the brand now but I go into stores and I still fix the displays. <laughs> of course you do. Of yeah. course you do. I love that. Thanks to American Express, we're chatting with entrepreneur Billy Goat Soap, founder entrepreneur nonetheless, turned small business mental health advocate Leanne Faulkner. Now, Leanne, great days back in Billy Go- back in the Billy Goat days, but there uh-huh. were times when you found it difficult and hence your interest in mental health for small business owners now. You, you said to me you're unable to separate your sense of self from the business so that when the business was failing, 
you felt you were failing. Yeah, yeah, that that's exactly right. And in fact, look, I have to say, Tim, I think it's only been in the last year or so that people have stopped calling me the goat lady or the <laughs> soap lady, you know. So, um, so I clearly get that, and I, and I think that's probably typical of um, you know startups and um, small business owners, and we tend to be all in, boots and all. And um, I was quite immersed in the business, and we had rapid growth year on year. Um, But um, in about 2011, we were starting to feel the after effects of the GFC. And anyone who worked in retail in Australia at that time would tell you that retail slowed significantly. And um, even though I think it was Mr. Rudd, wasn't it, who said, I'm going to give everyone hundreds of dollars to go and spend and prop up the economy. Mr. Rudd, yep. Thank you. Um, um, Even though he did that, I really don't think there was one person that woke up and said, oh, my God, I'm going to go and buy soap. No, um, I think we all went out and bought a bigger TV, didn't that's we? That's right, exactly right, as as you should, you know. So, so really, even those sorts of things just didn't uh, didn't help the business. And as the business slowed at that time, as retailing in Australia slowed, and I watch what's going on now with great interest, um, then certainly um, that became very tough for me. And I had to have some very hard conversations with staff, and um, had to make some people redundant, and I had to have um, very big conversations with the bank and um, and I was fortunate in that I had a bank that had been with me from inception and understood my business extremely well but so being able to not able to separate myself from the business I thought well if the business is failing in my eyes if the business is failing I'm a failure and quite obviously everyone else else out there in business land knows something that I don't know. Ah. <laughs> so I had a really bad case of imposter syndrome happening, I think, as well. How did you, how did you get through that? I didn't get through initially. So I would increasingly find myself crying on the way to work and and I'd sit outside my office and try and reapply my makeup so that I looked okay when I got into work, kept Max Factor in business. So got into work and could say hello to everyone and quickly get to my office and close the door. Mm-hmm. And then eventually got to the point where I was no longer physically able to stay in that office. I just had a knot in my stomach 24-7 and I couldn't think of anything else other than work. So I would go to my kids' football games on the weekend and really not see any goal that they scored and it's soccer so you only get one every 40 minutes or something so really only see you know not even see it because even though my body was on the sideline my mind was at work and um, so I missed probably about three months of my kids lives which I truly regret now because I'll never get that back Mm. But I'm very present to them now, so so that that's okay. You know, I only have right now, so I've moved on. But um, and I had a knot in my stomach, couldn't sleep. I had insomnia, um, and just oh. obsessed about work. So in the end, I physically was unable to go into the office. I had some very dark thoughts at one stage, and and would say quite a lot to John let's just close the doors and let's just forget about it all and um, I'm just very fortunate in that I happen to be married to the best man uh, on the planet who has second best sorry keep going (laughs) no 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 I'm sorry Tim I'm sorry but he's the best and um, (laughs) (laughs) and he has a lot of small business experience and he also happens to have a counselling background and so he he said to me look before we get to that stage because he'd been home doing all the kid things and I'd been working and he said look Look, why don't you stay home and I'll go in and run the business? And um, I was very fortunate because a lot of small business people don't have that type of support. He went in and did that. I stayed home and had a breakdown. That was my role at that time and um, went and sought some help and was eventually able to return to work. Over what period of time, Leanne? 
Uh, it took me about three months. So I was unable, physically unable to work. The, the other thing you pointed out uh, when we were talking previously was you just weren't investing in yourself. You were the last thing to invest in. If there was any time or resource or money left, you might invest in yourself, which again, very flawed thinking, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I know that now. <laughs> mm. But back then, I think I had a sense that um, if I was investing in myself in any way, that would be a luxury. And that, in fact, what I needed to do was just to keep trying harder, which is absolutely flawed thinking because the reality is, and I know this now, one from the work that I do and also from the research that I do now in this area is I know that the more I invest in myself and that is my general well-being, my general health and also my, you know, my, my business skills, my knowledge and my ability to connect with others, the more I do that, in fact, the more resilient and capable I am to run a small business. And back in, in those days, and I think that part of the problem was I, I, the spiral had gotten way out of control and I was I was down in the bottom. So I didn't actually take time to notice the red flags early on. I was well, already actually down. had the breakdown. I mean, when you're running so hard, things break down. So, you know, hard to claw back. You, you then took the steps, you got out, you, you got better, thank God for your husband, and um, you sold Billy Goat Soap? Yes, ended up selling Billy Goat Soap in January of 2012. We had an exit strategy in mind as part of our business strategy anyway, but we did sell um, in 2012, probably a bit earlier than um, them or earlier than we had expected to do. But um, but that was a very, very good decision because for two reasons. One, it was very good for my well-being and, um, and my mental health. Uh, which which was great. But secondly, the brand also um, needed to move on beyond us. It cost a lot of money to grow a small business and and the brand was ready to go on to much bigger and better markets and bigger and better things. And it, and it needed a much bigger uh, investor to make that happen. So we made that decision in 2012 and sold the brand. So then you're free to focus, I'm guessing, on you, – you, you call yourself – you became a small business mental health advocate. Is that yes, right? Yes, that's right. Well done. Why and what does that involve? Look, I never imagined in a million years that I would be working in the area of mental health, not ever, because I was the go-getter entrepreneur who was out to do everything and um, and it would I never expected that I would need to address this area of business. And um, when I was having my struggles, I would sit at night um, because – you know, I had insomnia uh, after being diagnosed with uh, situational depression. And I would sit at night at my computer and type in small business owner and anxiety, entrepreneur not coping, small business owner and depression, um, entrepreneur feeling stressed, just to see what was out there to try and give me some relief, really. It was about a personal thing. And I was quite shocked to see that what, there was what wasn't nothing. There? Yeah, that's right, nothing for us. And I just thought that was outrageous. And so when you look at it, 98% of all businesses in Australia are actually small. And of those, 64% don't even have employees. We work alone. And I thought it was outrageous that, you know, this large business group of the country actually had no resources. And there was a lot out there if you are an employee or if you have employees, there's heaps out there, which is fantastic. That's great. 
But my question was, well, what happens if it's the owner of the business? Like, what do you do if you actually own the business? How do you get help then? And so that kind of set me on this path to try and change that, I guess, over the last six years or so. And so I've been working in this space, uh, doing a lot with COSBOA, which is um, the Council of Small Business of Australia. We've done quite a lot of work banging the drum. Uh, I'm, I am the sort of person you just, you don't sit next to me at a networking dinner. <laughs> <laughs> because this is what I talk about and um, you'll quickly want to change spots with someone else, really. I probably think you're overestimating that. I think it's a bit, well, very, you know, you're joking. It's an yeah. interesting conversation and it sounds like you package it up in a way that's quite compelling and inspiring. So before yeah. we talk about what is available to small business owners, sure. if they are experiencing, um, you know, signs of... Yeah, sure. What do we call it? Mental unwellness. Yeah. Um, what are, what are those signals? That sort of when you, when it is time to reach out. Yeah. Look, I think the biggest thing is um, getting to gra- grappling with that whole notion of just being honest with yourself. So that's the first thing. And then the actual signs to look out for would be things like obsessing over work, just thinking mm-hmm. about it twenty four seven, so unable to switch off at any time. Right now, there's a whole lot of business owners listening, yeah. saying that's me and yeah. that's normal and that's just how we roll. Yeah, look, that's true, but you might want to see it in a combination of other things as well. So there might be things like excessive drinking, stopping any sort of other activities. So it's it's really important for small business owners to have some sort of other interest that is not work-related. So it might be, I don't know, playing a musical instrument. It might be photography. It might be being part of a baseball team or whatever. Something. Um, something. So the minute you stop doing that, because you feel either that you don't have the time to do it or you just can't concentrate on it, that can sometimes be a red flag. Things like character or demeanour changing, so finding yourself snapping more than you would normally, yelling at the kids at home, finding you're more short-tempered with staff or customers or suppliers might be a sign of stress or anxiety. Mm -hmm. Um, A change in demeanour around uh, dress or habits, things that you do or you don't do normally. All of these things, crying quite a lot, um, not coping with the smallest of things, not answering emails, putting your phone on, do not disturb um, 24-7, not taking calls. Those things are all about avoidance and that can often be a sign that you might be feeling a bit stressed and anxious and that's the time to reach out. This show is made possible thanks to American Express Business Explorer credit card, a card that lets your business expenses reward you. I asked Amex member Chris Gray, CEO of Property Buying Business Your Empire, how he benefits from using his Amex. I use Amex for the whole of my business. Literally every single thing I pay in my business, even down to effectively my staff or my contractors and my rent at home, everything goes on the Amex card. Because with Amex, you get the most points for your dollar spent. And I convert those points into frequent flyer rewards points I fly 10 or 15 times a year, only business and first class, including those beautiful A380 suites you get on Singapore Airlines where you get your own bedroom, and I fly for free. I don't pay for a single flight. But it's not all upside, or is it? So I've, got a, I've still got a million points because I spend so much money in my business. 
I've then got a pre-planned 10 trips for next year of where do I want to go? I need to find excuses to go to different countries. <laughs> this is a massive first world problem, Chris. It is, but I'm willing to put up with it. So there's, there's very few people that can, uh, can force themselves through the pain barrier, but I'm willing to do it. I've trained myself. <laughs> New American Express card members who apply and spend $3,000 in the first three months from the card approval date receive a bonus 100,000 membership rewards points. Ah, oh, you got to love it when your business expenses reward you. Search Amex Business to find out how. New American Express card members only. Offer ends November 30, 2017. Terms and conditions apply. Leanne, you listed a lot of a lot of things there, a lot of different um, things that a business owner may experience. Would you... Is it one? If you're experiencing one of those things, should you go and seek help? Is it is it a minimum of three? Is there levels of experience? Yeah, look, there's no, there's, there is actually no minimum, but certainly if there's a combination of those things, I would regard that as a red flag. But to be really honest, Tim, I think deep down inside all of us, we actually do know if we mm. are or are not coping. And I know for me, I started by telling myself I was just having a bad day. And get over it. You know, you're having a bad day and what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. You know, I would have all the platitudes around to try and get me through it. But then I realized that I was not having a bad day. I was having a bad week. And then before I knew it, I was having a bad month. And I think it's that type of self-awareness that becomes so critical in small business owners. We have to be brave and honest with ourselves that say, listen, yeah, we do. We all have bad days and we all have stress and stress helps us get get out of bed of a morning and that's all great. But it's when it starts to multiply and become a really regular thing that we're having to try and actively control in our life, be it just drinking in isolation or just obsessing about work and never mm. having down time so it might just be one thing but if it's becoming obsessive or we're increasingly feeling that we can't cope that's probably a red flag it's a hard one for the business owner in particular uh, and i don't i don't want to i agree go and go and talk but the business owners they're going but i've got a business to run and it's me and as you were saying like what is it 64 percent of those businesses in australia are, are solopreneurs um so how do you take your foot off the pedal when if you take your foot off the pedal and try to get well, then you're going to come back to a business that ain't there? Yeah, look, and I understand that completely. And that's why something called presenteeism is actually quite rife in small business. And that's where you get a small business person who goes to work, but they're really not working at full capacity that they could be doing because they're just, you know, feeling burnt out, but they have to be, you know, the body in the office really. And there's a few, and I totally get that. I understand that completely, but I think there's an opportunity to put some strategies in place um, that can be done and still, you know, be at work. Um, there's, I've got two things to say about that. Can I? Is it okay if I rattle on about them? Oh, thank you. Okay. So the first is, if you find yourself in that situation, there's a few things that you can do, which is um, look at any online resources that are currently available online. So I know that sometimes business owners, you know, finish work at five, go home, and then do the books. <laughs> so if you're sitting at your computer, you know, in the evening, you can go and check out some online resources with some fantastic tips. 24-7. You can do that at any time. Mm -hmm. There's some basic practices that you might want to put in place that you can do easily that don't, doesn't mean you don't have to be um, away from work, but you can grab time for yourself within work. So, you know, find a 
find a window of opportunity. And that might be something like um, going for a walk at lunchtime. So going, you know what, I'm not bringing my lunch in today. I'm going to walk to the local coffee shop and just getting out of the office and going for a walk at lunchtime. It might be having a rule. John and I used to have a rule that said from 5.30 on Friday night to 8 a.m. on, on uh, Monday morning, we are not going to talk soap. And so we actually had that rule. And look, I broke the rule about a million times and John would look at me and I'd go, oh, that doesn't work in a podcast, does it? I put my hand over my mouth and go, oops. Well, the obvious line there is if you're not talking soap, you're talking dirty. So that's yes. a great rule. And John will be very supportive of that. That's right. So, <laughs> oh, so, I love it. so it's, it's, those, it's about actively putting boundaries in place um, mm. that, that – don't mean that you have to give up work. It just means you tweak the work you do. And sometimes it's those little boundaries and tips and tricks that you can do that can help you in times of great stress and anxiety. Um, the other thing too is um, always remember that there are um, people out there that will listen to you 24-7. So the number that I, you know, I wish I had a dollar for every time I said this number, I'd be a rich woman, which is Lifeline, one three one 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 four. And small business people can call that number. They will listen to you. You don't have to be at extreme crisis to call Lifeline. You can call them at any time and just say, listen, you know, this is what's going on for me and do so confidentially. Mm-hmm. And you can also check into the Beyond Blue. They have an online service. So if you want to just chat to somebody online, they have a free service where you can do that. So so there's lots of immediate things you can now do, which is fantastic for small business people. But the, one of the tools that I absolutely love the most is is a pre-planning, well-being, strategic planning tool that is on the Victorian Small Business Commission website. And what that does is it actually encourages small business owners to plan for their general health and well-being at a time where they'll never need it. So often at startup or often in a small business, it's going really, really well. And the owner goes, oh, look, we're tracking just fine. Everything's great. I don't need anything like that. That's the time to go and do a strategic plan around how are you going to stay well in your business? How are you going to do that? Um, And it asks you a range of things like, do you have someone that you can talk to that will give you unconditional positive regard? Have you identified that person? You may never need to ever talk to them ever. Great. That's terrific. But have you written their name down? just in case? And do they know that they're going to be your wingman? Um, It asks you to think about um, how, you know, if you can't work, how will you afford not to work? Which is probably the most classic thing that I would say to a small business person who is going really well and tracking well is, do you have income protection or do you have a little fund put aside that allows you, if you need to take a week off because you've got a broken leg, from football Mm -hmm. or you've got um, stress and anxiety so the same kind of thing you need to take time off do you have some funds set aside so you can afford to do that Um, and then finally uh, it asks you um, have you thought about how you would return to work and have you written out a plan so that because most of us you know just need some time off and we can get back to work when you return to work have you written a return to work plan so that you can do it in a way that doesn't um, have you burn out again so you can do it great, in a sustainable way. What a great way. plan. And I love the fact that you do it when you don't need it. Yeah, the, and you do it when you don't need it. And you know why it's so great? Because I help them write it. So, I've, you know, I've just got to go. spruik that. So. Hey, 
If you don't, no one else is going to. So I love that. Now you have you've started a business called Fortitude at Work. This is what you do now. You are supporting, and I thank you for that. Supporting small business owners, particularly in your local area, where you're still on the central coast of New South Wales. I love one of the services that you offer, Leanne, to locals, which is Walk and Work, where you basically say, "Hey, listen, let's catch up for forty minutes and go for a stroll, and you can talk to me, and I might give you some advice, or I might just listen." It's wonderful. Yeah, exactly right. So people can book me for a walk, and it's only forty minutes. And yeah, that's right. I turn up at their business, and we head out. So and we and we talk business. You know, anything. I could be a sounding board for a great idea they've got. I could be, you know, a stress relief. They want to talk about how I don't know they've missed three buzzes and they're worried about it, and they'll be mm. all right, and they'll. Get on track, but they just need to tell someone, you know, just need to get off their chest. And that's the sort of thing that um, that we do often talk about, or we might talk about some business planning stuff, but it's the easiest, simplest way, I guess, that comes with growing a business in that if you're active, we actually know that if you're active and out there, then um, it tends to help trigger some creative thinking uh, because of the endorphins that you're putting through your body when you're exercising. Yeah, no doubt. And we become quite creative in that state. It's actually starting to get legs, if you pardon the pun. <laughs> <laughs> They're walking right out the door, the, right, uh, the packages. <laughs> Leanne, you're doing a great job. Well done on Billy Goat. I know that's an old story for you now, but I do love seeing a little brand like that finding its way into, you know, being ranged nationally. And uh, oh, so well done you. for the part that you played in that. And more importantly, well done. And thank you for the part you're playing in improving the mental health of us small business owners. I know there's a lot of resources that um, people can draw on and I'm going to get them off you. I'm going to include them in the show notes. I'm going to include a link to Leanne's website, which is fortitudeatwork.com.au. And let's see if we can kind of inch forward in, in making... Uh, small business owners just that little bit uh, healthier of mind terrific and look thank you so much Tim too for having this chat and and us sharing you know the stories and talking about this because that really is the key if more of us talk about the realities of small business ownership and and the help that's out there and support one another then we'll all be successful so thank you Well, there you go, team. Billy Goat Soap founder and now small business mental health advocate, Leanne Faulkner, who you can find more information about over at fortitudeatwork.com.au. Maybe you want to book a walk with her. I'm also going to include links to the various mental health resources Leanne recommends. You'll find them over at smallbusinessbigmarketing.com forward slash four. And one thing uh, we didn't touch on was the fact that Leanne's also a lecturer in marketing at the University of Newcastle. And on a couple of occasions during her teaching, her lecturing career, she's had her students review past episodes of this show. I think that's a good thing. I'm very proud of that. Poor students having to review me, assess me. Hey, be sure to hang around after my top three attention grabbers as I get found out by listener Michael in the monster prize draw. Hmm, interesting. But first, my top three attention grabbers from that chat with Leanne Faulkner, thanks to our great supporting friends at American Express. Attention grabber number one, plan for your health and well-being before you need to. I like that. Get things in place before you know what hits the fan. Attention grabber number two, talk to someone regularly about how you and your business is going. You know how many small business owners I speak to across the year, or at least you can imagine how many small businesses I speak to across the year. It's hundreds, if not thousands. One thing we're not very good at 
is expressing how things are going. I think too many of us try to make out that it's all going really well when sometimes it just ain't. So talk, open up, especially you, you fellas, blokes. Attention grabber number three, separate yourself from from your business. You are not your business. I am not my business. If business is not going well, sure, I can get down, you can get down, but don't think you are your business. They are two separate things. Knowing that alone can have a hugely positive impact on how you handle adversity as it happened with Leanne. That's what grabbed my attention. Would love to know what grabbed yours. Head over, leave a comment in the section of the show notes over at smallbusinessbigmarketing.com forward slash 437. Come on down. It's Timbo's Monster Prize Draw. Oh, yes, indeedly, doodly. It is time to reward another motivated listener for taking some swift marketing action as a result of listening to this show. And today's winner is... Michael Langdon, a video production business, SiriusLevity.com. Michael says, hey, Timbo, big fan of your podcast. Thanks, Mike. I only got onto it a couple of months ago, uh, but I have well and truly gorged on it ever since. I like the word gorged. Michael, thank you for gorging on my show. He goes on to say, I've listened to about 100 episodes, and the one thing, that's amazing, in two months, and the one thing that I have learned from them is how you deliver a set structure and routine to the way you deliver them. Oh, I think I've been found out. It's a good pickup. He explains what he means. He says, I, and I don't just mean the narrative and sections within each episode. I mean the depth to which it goes in even employing the same language and tone of voice when delivering your lines. Ah, a little bit of consistency is what I'm using there, Michael. He goes on to say, I run a successful award-winning video strategy agency in Sydney. We help e-commerce and not-for-profits connect and engage with, the, with their audiences through emotive stories that are told through video. I've had a lot of success with my social media marketing strategies and have seen a good return on investment. The one thing that I will do from now on, and this is mostly because of binge listening to dozens of your podcasts, is to add a lot more structure and routine to each of my personal videos. You got it, Michael. You're onto something here, mate. At the minute, they are educational, entertaining, and deliver a lot of value. However, I have no real structure when I produce them. It's just a collection of my thoughts expressed in the first way in which they come to me. Okay, well, that's a good thing. But structure is also a good thing because it builds familiarity, as Michael will go on to say. What I've learned from you, Timbo, and perhaps realized what is unbeknownst to most, not an easy word to say, unbeknownst, is that a good 20 to 30% of your podcast is a repeat of same old phrases so that you can increase the bond with your listeners and give them some familiarity. In that 20 to 30%, I also include pre-recorded stuff and advertising. Your podcast alone has made me sign up to an American Express card, so well done. I like that. Advertising works. Michael goes on to say, I'll be honest, little phrases like, there is marketing G-O-L-D dripping from the ceiling. You, infinitely more importantly, are a motivated business owner. Big show today. So let's get stuck right in. (laughs) I found simply annoying at first, he says. I used to think, geez, why can't this guy vary his vocabulary slightly? Now, with the benefit of hindsight, 
I see value in producing content that breeds familiarity with my listeners. I have produced many videos for my business and haven't really employed this tactic, but that is going to change as of now. Thanks, Timbo, Michael Langdon, SiriusLevity.com. Michael, you've identified something really important that many business owners don't. Consistency builds familiarity. Familiarity builds trust. So just because you know, you've done one thing once doesn't mean you can do it again. I speak at a lot of conferences. People come up to me in the audience before I go on. They say, I've heard you before, Timbo. And I go, oh, no, you don't need to hear me again. But then I realize you do need to hear me again. Even though it's the same keynote, you'll learn new things. You'll pick up things you didn't pick up previously, and it'll all feel familiar. As I say, the Rolling Stones are still playing Satisfaction. Not that I'm comparing myself to the Rolling Stones. Don't get me wrong. Hey, Michael, for sending me that wonderful note, you have won a number of things. A Carmen's muesli pack containing their most recent yummy snacks. That's valued at 60 bucks. Thanks to past guest Carolyn Creswell for that. Uh, you've won a My DNA test kit from Dr. Lior Rochberger that provides, he's a past guest, provides personal information in relation to your diet, fitness, and well-being. That's valued at 99 bucks. You get a pass to the Amex Lounge at Sydney or Melbourne International Airport. That's valued at 33 bucks. You get promotion on this show and you get a backlink on the smallbusinessbigmarketing.com website, which will give you a bit of Google juice. So thanks, Michael. Really appreciate it. To everyone else who is yet to send me a letter, and that is thousands of you, send me an email, tim at timreed.com.au, telling me one idea you've implemented from listening to this show and what impact it's had on your business. That's all I want. If I read it on air, you get some promotion and you go into the the uh, the yearly prize draw, the big prize draw, to win a hot lap in a racing Porsche with past guest and racing car legend Steve Richards. And that's valued at two and a half grand. So I would suggest that at the end of this show, enter the monster prize draw. Righto, now you may remember last week's jingle of the week, butchered, and I mean butchered, the classic Beach Boys song, Good Vibrations. It was for a company, a retailer called The Good Guys. Well, this week's one does a similar butchering of the 80s classic by UK pop sensation, Madness. Remember this hit song? I love that song. Well, some crazy advertising types from 1989 thought it would be a good tune to promote a kitchen spray with. Got a call from Mr. Fryer. He's bringing round a buyer. The kitchen looked a fright from the little do last night. Although I felt quite sickly, I had to clean it quickly. With spray and wipe all purpose, I cleaned up every surface. Spray and wipes a breeze. Cause it cuts through toughest grease. Kitchen sparkling clean and the buyer's very clean. So thank you. Spray and wipe. Oh, goodness me. I have to apologise for bringing you these jingles. That was an absolute butchering of what I thought was a great song. I loved Madness. What was their other one? Um, oh, goodness me. Baggy Trousers. That was a bit of fun. And they were very heavily featured, I think, in the Young Ones uh, series out of the UK back in the 80s as well. Right, well, that's this week's jingle, jingly, jingle of the week. I'll find some other jingles over the coming weeks that have killed popular songs, I promise. <laughs> and if you know one, hit me up on Twitter at Timbo Reid, R-E-I-D. 
that almost wraps up another episode of the Small Business Big Marketing Show, sponsored by American Express. You can now search Amex Business to find out how your business expenses can reward you. Uh, You do not, and I mean do not, want to miss next week's show in which we catch up with one of the world's leading SEO experts. You have reason to be very, very excited. I went out to my list. If you're on my list uh, by signing up over at smallbusinessbigmarketing.com, you would have got an email from me asking your most pressing SEO question for the coming 2019 had so many responses, so many great questions, and my guest is going to answer every single one of them. Don't forget there's an entire back catalogue of interviews over at smallbusinessbigmarketing.com. If you love the Small Business Big Marketing show, and why wouldn't you let another business owner know about it by grabbing their phone, opening the podcast app. They might not even know where it is. You'll need to find it for them. Searching for Small Business Big Marketing, subscribing for them, hitting play, running away. Do that three times a day for the next week. Love you forever. Until next week, I am Timbo Reid. Thanks for tuning in. May your marketing be the best marketing. Bye for now.